Hello and welcome once again to one of your favorite podcasts. Uh, I know you probably have like, you know, 10, 15 of them, maybe 20. I don't know. But you know what? Thank you so much because I know this is in that group. So thank you so much. Uh, welcome to Sit and Relax. Let's talk. This is yours truly, Mark Rivera. Just wanted to tell you, thank you for tuning in and listening to all this good content that we have over here. Well, today we have a special guest, as always, um, bringing people on here to talk about and share their experiences and let others hear their life and hear parts of where their thought processes and everything is just amazing to be able to be part of this. So today we have a special guest. It is, you may know or not know this person. You may have sit next to them once or twice, or you're going to say, hey, I know who that is. Of course, we got Brett Smerberg. Brett, thank you so much. I appreciate. Thank you for your presence here. Hey. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Oh, definitely. No, it, it's, it's amazing. And listen, we've been talking a little bit, you know, trying to get this set up, you know, date and time and everything that's going on. But but thank you so much that we've been able to uh, make some time here to make this happen. And uh, well, let's get started. Um, yeah, let's do it. Excited. Sure. So what was it kind of that, you know, brought you into this? Oh, before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you again, Mark, for having me. Um, my name is Brett Smerber, and I'm 27 years old. And I am currently a graduate student at California Baptist University in their Master's of Science Counseling Psychology program. Um, as are you and uh, everybody who's been on this podcast, I think so far is part of our cohort who have come on and graciously shared their experiences, like you said. Um, yeah, so I guess a little bit about me and my background. Um, I'm an Army veteran and uh, I did, I was a 37 Fox in the U.S. Army. Um, and for layman terms, that's just the designation of, you know, what the job title is. Yeah. Um, my actual job title was psychological operations specialist. Um, and yeah, before that, I was in school and uh, I actually graduated high school at 16, um, turning 17. And then. So you're really smart, aren't you? I, I knew you were <laughs> smart, but now you're telling me that I'm finding that out. That means you're <laughs> really smart. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Uh, I went to my first year of university at 17, and that was at University of Washington in Seattle. Um, and while I was there, I was trying to do a bunch of different stuff. I was trying to get an ROTC scholarship. I was trying to, um, you know, go there for, for pre-med and stuff like that. And I had always really wanted to be a surgeon. I knew that, you know, I wanted to be in a helping profession or I wanted to be in a serving profession. Um, and that drive kind of came just since I was young, I just had kind of this really inherent and profound feeling from a, a young child of, you know, wanting to serve and wanting yeah. to, to serve systems and purposes bigger than myself. Yeah, it's um, just in you the whole, the whole time, right? It was just something inside of you. Yeah, it's, it's one of my earliest memories that I remember like thinking about and like having like, you know, like thoughts and like reflecting on it and feelings for so yeah, that was definitely where that stemmed from. So yeah, the, you know, the stuff at UW didn't work out. And so I came back and I kind of worked for a year and I was really struggling and I enlisted in the U.S. Army. And then I was gone in the Army for a couple of years and um, I got injured. So I got out. And then after that, I was like, well, 
what now? Like I basically have to just start over in my schooling. And yeah, um, so that's what I did. I went to a local community college um, for two and a half, three years. And then after that, um, well, actually let me back up. So I was at this community college and um, I was still pre-med. So I was mm-hmm. still a bio major slash like pre-med, still trying to like become a doctor, basically become a surgeon. And um, kind of had a, a crisis of, of self and a, a crisis of faith and um, just was having a really, really, really tough time um, struggling a lot with my mental health. And, you know, there was life factors going on and stuff, but um, I kind of came to the realization, you know, that like, maybe I wasn't cut out for mm. medicine. I wasn't cut out for biology. I was, I was struggling super hard. I had to take like chemistry, like two times over because oh. I kept, I kept failing and then, you know, it was just a big struggle for me. That's so rough. yeah. Yeah. And I had a, I had a professor who was a bio professor and who kind of came to me and was like, Hey, listen, you know, like, I know you like medicine and I know that you really care about like helping others and you want to heal others. And that's really admirable. And she was like, have you ever considered like becoming a therapist? And I was like, hmm. interesting. <laughs> I was like, kind of like, not really. And it was funny too, because like in high school and stuff, I, I was very much into the, um, the quote unquote hard sciences. Uh-huh. So I was all about like the anatomy. What does that mean? What, what is the hard sciences? Like, yeah. So this is kind of an antiquated term. Um, we don't really use this anymore, but when people say hard sciences, they typically refer to, you know, chemistry, biology, anatomy, mm-hmm. very, very empirical, right? And as some people may or may not know, psychology in its inception was not considered empirical. It was mm-hmm. considered a soft science, meaning it wasn't really taken seriously. It wasn't really considered um, a real science. So I, I kind of had that that mindset as, mm-hmm. a, as a naive, you know, teenager of like, oh, this is bunk, like, yeah. you know, psychology <laughs> is anything, you know? And then once I kind of went through this, this kind of uh, spiritual crisis and kind of this um, crisis of self, mm-hmm. you know, and this professor suggested it and I started thinking more and I was like, you know, like, actually, maybe this is a, maybe this is a good avenue. I felt a long time, it felt like it was a door was closing on me and that I was just like a failure and like, I couldn't, you know, I wasn't going to be successful in, mm-hmm. in these things. And it got to the point where I just was like, you know, I I need to at least try, like I need to at least see, you know, and so, yeah, I changed my major, uh, like less than a year left of community college. And then I transferred from my community college to university of California, Riverside. And that was in 2019, um, beginning of 2019. So I finished up my last year and a half there through the, through the pandemic, did all that. It was all online sucked but mm-hmm. it was all right um, oh, man. those online classes were amazing weren't they? oh yeah yeah and, and it's funny too I tell people you know especially after now being in my second year of grad school genuinely I feel that you know undergrad is uh, a lot tougher on students and they really don't they're really not prepared unless they take the right kinds of courses either in high school or you know, if they have the opportunity to go to a community college, I really, really, really advise people to do that. And I was the first one back yeah. in the day as a high schooler to tell you, no, community college sucks. Like you need to go to a university right out of high school, blah, blah, blah. 
and I just I I ate my own words, you know. So um, no. Yeah, yeah, but it was good. It was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I did that, and um, yeah, and then was finishing up. I graduated with my bachelor's of science in psychology from UCR in mm-hmm. 2021. Um, and while I was there, I did uh, narrative research. So I was working in a, a psychology lab that Man. focused on. Uh, researching people's personal narratives and how that relates to how their personality forms. That is so fascinating. You've been like all over the place. <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's awesome. Well, I feel like if I, if I don't stay busy, I go a little crazy. So I gotta, gotta, okay. gotta stay busy. Gotta stay, you know. Okay. So yeah. So then um, kind of hit an, another little bit of a rough patch after that, where all of the grad programs I had applied to were either extremely uh, impacted, meaning they they had way too many students that they were trying to take in um, for those cohorts. And mm-hmm. the campuses or the the universities that I did get accepted to and did get um, like interview offers from, I was oftentimes the only bachelor's candidate, like the only, I was the only interviewee who had a bachelor's, whereas everybody else already had master's. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of looking around and was like, okay, so it seems like most folks who come into these like bigger PhD and bigger like side D programs already have experience. They've already been working as therapists. They already are in master's programs, all this stuff. Yeah. So I kind of shifted my focus a little bit from research and a research PhD to the clinical side of things. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't as much of a hard shift coming from like bio to psych was because um, that had a lot more to do with like I think how I was identifying at the time and how I had always kind of seen myself and like my career and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so this shift going from the research side to the clinical side was not as difficult. Now, if someone wants to go from clinical to research, that might be a little bit more difficult if you don't have the experience in undergrad. Yeah. Um, So for anybody who's an undergrad out there, if you're especially in psychology and undergrad do your best to get into some kind of lab get into some kind of research lab that you can be an RA in a research assistant in as an undergrad Um, because for one it looks really good on a resume Mm -hmm. and for two it provides you with really 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 invaluable experience if you do want to do research in the future Um, and I think it's good to have it you know starting in undergrad and then you can move into your your graduate schooling so it sounds yeah. like some really good advice. That sounds like some really good advice because it is, those are like little small things, right? Little key things that, you know, it's not really like um, put it's out there much. About. It's not talked yeah. about, but you know, those are those little details, those little things that'll help you kind of like uh, on your your next move. Because like for yourself, making that transition, you said going from, from um, collecting data and doing all that, right? And then to transitioning into, it was easy for you because you understood the 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 all the technical part all that other like right. the, the analysis all that stuff and then just transitioning that and applying it to like understanding what this counseling thing really is about what this counseling psychology what is that about? okay so let's so I can see that it goes kind of like hand in hand in that direction but not the other way around <laughs> yeah I mean it can definitely go both ways I've I've heard and talked to people who you know, started out in research and then they ended up doing a, a clinical degree. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I think it's important to distinguish too, like these terms that we're using as well, because people may not know. So um, when people refer to like clinical psychology or clinical anything, 
typically it's it's in the context of you're being seen by some form of doctor you're being seen by someone who has a doctoral degree of some sort so whether that's a, a medical degree you know and they're a they're a physical doctor or you know if they're a phd in psychology or a phd or a psyd which is a doctorate of psychology in uh, clinical psych you know they're they're really the folks who are going to be giving assessments those are the folks who get to charge the big big bucks for you know <laughs> sessions um 200 because, minimum percent yeah right? <laughs> 200 like 200 yeah 200 minimum i know people will charge more than that so oh, God. yeah if it depends on what you can afford and i guess the area that you're practicing <laughs> in for sure but um and then whereas like counseling psychology which we are both in a in a counseling psychology program a master's degree program um and i think the distinction there that people need to know is that counseling is kind of the the entrance into clinical um it's, it's very, very, very difficult, I think, for a lot of people to just come from a general, you know, BS in psychology mm-hmm. and go straight into like a PsyD or a clinical PhD program. Um, obviously, your, your master's is going to be rolled into that. So you're doing almost twice the amount of work, right? But um, I do think that's a lot that's a lot more to bite off. Whereas uh-huh. I think if people kind of break it up and they go to like a master's program, that is just a terminal master's and, you know, they do that for a bit and they, they get into the workforce and they see what it's like actually working in the field. Then you can really make, I think, a, a much more informed decision on if you want to pursue a doctoral degree. Um, Cause I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen and talked to who, you know, spent eight plus years, yeah, like in school, no breaks, went right for a PhD. And now they're not as fulfilled as maybe they could have been if they had done yeah. something else. And it's yeah. like, you, you spent all that time and all that money getting a doctoral degree that now you don't even really want. So. Yeah. Um, you, it seems like you kind of like skip a lot of like the essential parts of like what develops you and what like opens your yes. mind and your heart to like yes. your passion for that. Of like yes. that point, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And I, I really encourage people, you know, this is, this is kind of why gap years are meant to exist between mm you know, typically either a, you can do one between a, a bachelor's and a master's or mm-hmm. stand most of the time they happen between a, a master's and a doctoral degree. But I, I definitely recommend people, you know, take, take those chances, like get outside of your comfort zone, go have varied life experiences. You yeah. know, um, we live in Southern California, so that's great for a lot of reasons, but it's also not great because you don't get like a full cultural experience that maybe you could get, you know, elsewhere in other parts of the world you know, even other parts of the country. So um, yeah. definitely, definitely recommend that for sure. But, but yeah. And then, so, um, so you're doing, sorry, but you're, so you're doing both and that's awesome. So you, you're doing right now a dual program, right? You're doing LPCC and you're doing forensic, right? So right. For, so what Cal, is that? Talk to us more about that. Like, why are you doing both of those? Yeah, definitely. So, so first of all, Cal Baptist is unique in this regard that mm-hmm. they do offer what's called concentrations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, I guess it would be kind of like taking a minor, like as a graduate student, mm. except it's not, it's not a minor, like you're not minor, getting yeah. a degree in it, right? You're yeah. getting a certification and you just take these classes to provide the extra training. So um, baseline as you know, CBU's counseling programs, counseling psychology program is a master's of science in counseling psychology. And then once you get licensed at that master's level, you would be licensed as a marriage and family therapist. Um, 
that's baseline everybody so mm-hmm. even people who are on the two-year track right it only takes them two years to get their degree you know they're still going to come out hopefully licensed at the yeah. end and be a very a marriage and family therapist yeah. um now individuals who do these concentrations the first one that you mentioned is the lpcc which is a licensed professional clinical counselor um, and this actually goes by different names in different states, but essentially what it is, is you're an occupational counselor. Mm-hmm. So this uh, extra training, this concentration that CBU allows you to take, um, allows you to take a separate exam, a licensing yeah. exam, and get licensed as an LPCC in addition to your MFT license. Yeah. Um, and essentially what this does is it, it just kind of widens the scope, I think, a little bit. It, it yeah. allows you to work with people who are more struggling, like, with their careers or trying to find mm-hmm. out, like, what they want to do in life, you know. Um, we really need folks who do this, especially with working with incarcerated populations, because yes. this is really what they need as far as they need someone to kind of give them a direction. Uh, yeah, some direction, yeah. some structure yeah. as far as, you know, this is kind of what I'm interested in. This is maybe what I want to do, how do I get there? Um, And so it kind of helps kind of broaden the scope a little bit of the populations I can work with and then kind of uh, practice that I can perform. It does, because like for myself, I'm doing both the MFT and the LPC. So I already took my career counseling class and that class was amazing. It was 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 super fun, right? Yes. It it was was great. I love that class. Right? It was just, it was amazing to understand and to see kind of like, um at first glance it looks just simple like okay well you go to somebody and you just give them like a test right you give them the test. i forgot the name of the test but you just give them you know there's a few yeah there's a few but you know you give them the test and then they answer the question what do you like to do like what are your favorite hobbies what do you think and then like they it's calculated in a form like okay well it seems like these are like the best jobs for you like to do Mm -hmm. this and do that um, right. And yeah, like it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It's not always because yeah, it recommended me some jobs that yeah, it didn't match with like <laughs> who I was. But overall, like you know, I think it's a it's a great method and something to to help those who are just like completely lost. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think the most basic resource for that, if someone wanted to, you know, if they're interested in career counseling or they themselves, you know, are struggling with figuring out what they want to do as a career. Um, you guys need to look for a book called Please Understand Me Too. Mm. And it's the numeral two, not like T-O-O, it's the actual <laughs> numeral. And uh, it's by a uh, Dr. David Kiersey. Um, and he is a, is a psychologist and he designed this test that you were actually talking about, um, which is a initially started with the Kiersey temperament sorter. Uh-huh. So this is predicated on the idea that if you can get into a job or into a career that matches your temperament, so not just your personality, but your actual yeah. temperament, uh-huh. right? those are different. Yeah. Um, you will, people will find that they have much more job satisfaction and they also have more job longevity. So a lot of times, you know, um, professional career counselors will see folks who maybe have done a job for 20, 30 years and they're just, they're burnt out and they, they hate it and they hate their life and they're struggling, you know, and the beauty of being a career counselor is that 
if their presenting complaint in therapy is primarily related to their career or to their career choices, Mm -hmm. you know, as an LPCC, we can do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they were seeing someone who was solely an MFT and didn't have that LPCC licensure, and if this was their like chief complaint, like this is the, the reason they're presenting to therapy, you know, they, it may be out of their scope of practice or out of their scope of competence to really uh, work mm-hmm. with this individual. So that's, what's nice is that it allows us a little bit more scope to kind of address these issues. And I think, yeah. um, you know, people need to know that there's support out there for you if you're struggling in terms of your career and, you know, you don't really know like where you belong or where you want to fit or where you want, what are you, what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the LPCC. And yeah. then the, the second concentration that CBU offers, Cal Baptist offers is, um, the forensic psych concentration. Mm-hmm. I've um, always been interested in it. I, I know about it, not very detailed, but I know about it. Very interesting. I, the little bit that I know is very interesting. So thank you so much for sharing about this because it's good. Let yeah. us know what is this forensic all about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I tell people like, hey, if you like true crime and if you like <laughs> serial killers and if you find them interesting, you know, maybe you should look into being a forensic psychologist. So um, CPU does actually have a, a terminal master's program in forensic psychology. So it's a little bit of a separate field from clinical or counseling psychology in that um, forensic psychologists work with individuals who are either incarcerated or at our risk of being incarcerated due to crime. And they are really there to help assess and help uh, work with these individuals to keep them from incarceration. Or if they are incarcerated, figure out, you know, what is really the driving force that is keeping them incarcerated. Uh Um, So a lot of times, you know, your, your forensic psych populations are going to work with both juveniles and adults um, who have had issues with, you know, um, law enforcement and the, the justice system. Um, and they, they focus a little bit more on that specific pathology. So it's not just for general, you know, complaints or someone who has anxiety or someone who has depression, you would see, you know, it's a standard MFT Mm -hmm. therapist for that. Um, but yeah, forensic psych does do a little bit more in terms of the psychopathology in terms of examining, um, yeah, these individuals who have a bit more severe uh, mental illness or mental disturbances that keep them incarcerated or put them in the in the way of the justice system. Yeah. So what I'm hearing it's it's a little bit deeper, a little bit darker. There, uh, you go go into a little bit more of like the 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 what is it that's driving to like to these thoughts, right? What is it that's driving into creating all these things that you know are like like severe, right? Those severe like actions and all those things that you do like where is like your mm-hmm. mind like yes. how to I'm seeing it and I'm hearing it, like how to balance and how to navigate through all those things to like figure out like where it's done is that that's pretty much what it is then huh yeah absolutely absolutely I I describe like the psyche and, and mental health of the psyche as like an onion and mm-hmm. it has layers right like anything else and you know you peel back a couple layers and maybe someone's going to therapy for severe depression or, you know, severe anxiety or other issues. If you keep peeling back those layers, you're going to start hitting the more severe uh, spectrums, you know, of mental illness. And I do genuinely believe that, you know, people who are in these severe spectrums of mental illness 
do deserve support and do deserve help and they do deserve just as much care um, and compassion as folks who say have less uh less layered problems let's yeah. say um or more normal yeah quote-unquote <laughs> normal yeah yeah we don't like that term but yeah we'll we'll yeah. use it yeah um, who is but honestly let me ask you but who is yeah who is normal no there is no real normal but what does normal you know? mean according to whom according to whom is normal <laughs> the the big wigs who sit in the chairs who uh <laughs> write our manuals and oh, yeah. <laughs> publish the apa guidelines yeah right, yeah no and if we, but, um, we, we and if we go off of that like for us like as a society right to us who who sets the bar for normal unfortunately sources that we should not always believe in but that's again that's right. a whole nother yeah, it's a whole nother. <laughs> that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother episode. Onion. Don't want to peel that onion. Don't peel that. Don't <laughs> we don't want to peel that, that layer. layer back right now. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's forensic psych. So if, if someone's really interested in working with those populations of individuals, I highly recommend, you know, looking into forensic psychology. And of course, that that kind of is more on your research side. You are expected to be more of a researcher. You do need to know, you know, how to do research. You need to know how to interpret data. Research, um, so research, research. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit more heady, I think. But if you're if you're definitely an analytical type of person, um, but you don't want to be a therapist or you don't want to give therapy, I really recommend that um, as well. There are also, you know, there are so many different jobs and careers in um, psychology, just as a whole, mm-hmm. that you really got to find your your niche. You know, you got to find your niche as far as um, where you really feel you're serving your purpose best um yeah it's crazy so, when you say yeah. that niche the niche 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 but when you when you say that i'm like it's i think it's like two parts right i think so far as like my experience and what i hear from others is like one where do you fit in like where do you feel comfortable and where do you like work best at you know kind of like i think those two kind of uh, play a big role in that and like finding your your your, your niche right yeah what do you think what do you think Well, absolutely. And I think understanding too, that those things aren't mutually, you know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like you could be really comfortable in a job and you could Uh enjoy it even, but maybe you're not applying yourself to the highest possible standard that you could be, you know, striving for. Mm -hmm. So I think really finding where those things intersect personally for each person is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that midpoint, right? Looking at that, that midpoint. Yeah. Where do we yeah where do I stand yeah definitely definitely. for yourself so like now kind of like for yourself at this point now um kind of through your because my god it's been right it's been a journey it's amazing like to to be able to like do these uh, interviews and to kind of like hear people's backgrounds and their stories and like you know Mm -hmm. it's amazing you know just to see you take that and like honestly for me I I like look at that and I I take all that and see like where you stand now and who you are like it all kind of makes sense you know what I'm saying like that's just part of like this is what we do right I mean this is what we do naturally you know it's part of just analyzing look at okay the 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 trajectory of life and kind of like where you stand now and Mm -hmm. as a person as an individual as as everything it's amazing because I see 
why you are such an amazing person today and why you're doing what you're doing today and like your accomplishments and everything that you have. And like, it's so awesome. Like, I feel like not just myself, but many people in class kind of feed off of you and take some of that, you know, energy that you have. Cause I'm going to tell you, you have energy. I love it. Sitting in the back and I'm like, just grabbing some little bit. Like, we, we sit on opposite sides of the room, <laughs> but we feed from each other. Cause I'm in the front and the very front row and you're in the very back row, but I can just like feel your enthusiasm through each question. So we just, it's just a mutual exchange of energy. Yeah. I love it. This I love is it. Awesome. But yeah, so, I really, um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'd like to talk a little bit about, if it's okay, Yeah. Uh, kind of just talking in general to students who may be out there who, you know, even are still in their undergrad and stuff and just kind of the, the crazy path sometimes that life takes you. And mm-hmm. you know, um, I know we had talked about this a, a little bit before we started as far as it, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of connection, not only amongst students, but also amongst professionals once you get out into the field and you're mm-hmm. working on you know, as a master's level clinician. Um, And that's really what we're trying to do here is we're trying to provide a little bit of a a framework for people Mm -hmm. to feel connected, even in their undergrad, even as psych, you know, undergraduates and who want to pursue, you know, graduate degrees. Um, And uh, so I think it's really great. And so I appreciate, you know, again, the opportunity and I'm, I'm stoked that you're doing this. So I think it's really cool, but yeah, I just, I wanted to say a little bit about, um, you know, I think, I think people get caught up in going to school and I think they get caught up just in the idea of like, oh, well, I need to do something that makes a lot of money or I need to do something that my parents want me to do or Mm -hmm. a real job, quote unquote, you know, like I I have a lot of friends who, you know, we're in the arts and, and my girlfriend really wants to study the arts. And, you know, she's, she has fear of the stigma that it's not, respected in that it's not productive it's not lucrative and it's Mm -hmm. not um it's not really a career it's not practical yeah right right and so I've kind of tried telling her it's something that was imparted to me from other instructors throughout the years that um first of all it's okay to fail like it is not the end of the world if you fail a class it's not the end of the world if you even like flunk out a whole semester or you have to take a step back from school because of you know, family or mental health or whatever, you can always start again. Um, you can always pick yourself up and start over. You just have to make the choice that you, this is what you want to do and you do want to start over. Um, and it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't want anyone out there to like be discouraged. Like, you know, yeah. oh, I'm, you know, I'm in my seventh year of undergrad or whatever. I, it took me technically eight full years like to finish an undergrad degree. Right. But it's because I started so early and then I did so much stuff in between um and when I had to come back and start over basically it was like what now you know and yeah I just I I want people to know that you know if you're if you're out there and you have this experience you are not alone it is not the end of the world um you can start over school is not uh a term you know it's not going anywhere yeah (laughs) learning learning should take your whole life so especially if you're dedicated and especially if you have a passion for a particular um, subject or field. So yeah, that, that'd be my big advice. People is just like, listen, don't give up. Don't think that there isn't a way around, you know, if a door closes, it just means that there's another one opening somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You just got to find it. Um, so that, that was a big lesson, I think for me to learn, especially 
because I had always prided myself on being like a straight A student and being mm-hmm. like a very serious academic and knowing that I was good at school and knowing that like I enjoyed school. But yet, you know, when you hit those walls, it just makes you feel like you're not good enough and it makes you feel yeah. like you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. And, you know, that's just, that's just a, it's not, it's just not true. It's a very limited perspective and it's really hard to dig yourself out of that if you don't have yeah. anybody telling you like, listen, it's okay. Like you can start over, like you can choose to do something else, you know? Um, so I think that that's one thing that's really important. And then the other thing too, as far as like undergrad is, you know, don't assume that you're above it. I think because for a couple of years, especially in, in certain classes, not all, I, I had this kind of like superiority complex and I had mm-hmm. to develop humility and it had to develop like I really did have to be humbled by knowing that there were other people who were smarter than me you know in those classes and that yeah um you're not above like the basics of what you're supposed to be learning even if it's boring even if you hate the instructor like even if you just every time you go to this class you're like oh I hate this freaking class you know (laughs) like stick through it you know stick with it um to build character don't yeah and don't take it for granted because it's it's actually going to come in handy later like those things that you learn in your undergrad and those habits especially that you form excuse me as a student in undergrad are so important because you know I if I hadn't worked my ass off in undergrad I wouldn't be working my ass off now as a grad student and finding that it's actually easier in my opinion some people probably will have a different opinion but I found that my undergrad was much more difficult especially at UCR in terms of my workload like Mm -hmm. I was drowning all the time and I've I've always been a full-time student so four classes or more at a time and like man I was pulling my hair out (laughs) I I shaved my head because I was just like I can't handle this this (laughs) yeah it was too much yeah and you know it was just like you just gotta stick you just gotta stick with it just stick through it I promise it gets better um and then yeah now being in grad school it's like especially if you're studying something that you really, really enjoy and that you don't see as a chore to like learn and go to class. Like you actually enjoy going to class. You enjoy you being on campus. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's really where I think you're, you're going to find a lot of um, your early formative school experiences are going to come in handy. Cause if mm-hmm. you can't develop those skills in the beginning, it's going to be really, really, really hard to develop them once you're considered, you know, a professional student and you're expected to perform at a certain level um you know so that was that was a big thing for me that I just wanted to get out as far as like you know don't give up Mm -hmm. there's there's always a way around there's always a workaround like you know and just because you may have to take a different path try not to take shortcuts because there's really no shortcuts to figuring out your life like you really have to go through the the experiences even if they're bad um you know, to kind of figure out what, what you need and what you need to learn and what you need to experience. Um, I'm a firm believer in the phrase, uh, no mud, no Lotus, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, which means, you know, the Lotus is like one of the most beautiful and like hearty flowers out there, but it thrives in really, really gross environments. You know, it it lives in (laughs) bogs and it lives in swamps and it grows from the mud and it grows from the thick. Yeah. You know, so you you really have to understand that when you're going through a hard time, it's to make you stronger. You, you need to learn some lesson, you know, you need to understand something better about yourself. Um, 
and it's definitely going to come in handy in the future. Definitely. And, you know, kind of like before we we started this and we were talking about, right, hardships, we were talking about hard times and, and where it's brought us now uh, up to this point in life and <clears throat> why we're doing what we're doing, why it is that we're projecting now and, and trying to do what we do. It's because all these hard times, all these experiences that we've had that we've been able to overcome, obviously, because we're still here. I mean, we're still alive and we're still smiling. We still have most of our teeth, right? Everything's good, right? <laughs> I lost I lost some of mine in the army, so I don't know about me. But uh... right, I got a couple more, you know, but we're, we're still here, right? We're still here scarred. You know, we got the scars. We got things to prove. We got all these to show what we've been through, what we've done. But now at this point in life, in the here and now, what we're doing now is now we're not just embracing and taking in now the point of where life is like, here is why you've been through everything that you've been through. It's to put you here in this place right here, mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Look at the people around you. Look at everybody, thing, everything around you. Now is your turn. Now is your time. Mm-hmm. Get to work. You know, and so that's why for me personally, as we're all doing this together, because it's not just me, it's yourself, but others building this community, building this transition of trying to establish a club here at CU, uh, going beyond that and trying to do a, a community, you know, of, of counseling, of counselors, of us being there for one another. And, you know, we're human, you know, we're human. We have emotions. We have more. Once we take off the, the, the mask or the hat, whatever you want to call it, you know, we're human and we have, we have things of our own that we have to deal with, you know? So that's a lot of like where I see this going and where we're taking this now in this next part, these next chapters in our books, and together we're like constructing and collaborating to like make this happen. Mm-hmm. I love it. Feels great. Feels right. You know, mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, I love that you said that because I think I think just from talking to our our classmates, you know, especially at CBU, it seems like everybody knows they're there for a very profound purpose, and everyone's there because they know they should be there and it's the exact place and time like you said so I think the fact that we're all here and we've all come together like that's a miracle in itself you know and that should be celebrated and so I, I think it's great that you know you're trying to do these things we're trying to get this club off the ground and stuff at CBU and we want to create these organizations for people to have connection like you said and I think it's increasingly important especially it seems like in the the society that we're in and the way that the world's kind of headed you know, we need to have each other's backs. Like we need to have each other's six, you know? Um, so I think, I think that's definitely probably one of the most important parts is, is networking and forming this community for sure. Yeah. Somebody please quote me on this. Uh, this is the post COVID era. This is what I like to refer to it. So somebody please quote me because this is the post COVID, this whole post COVID, this is a whole nother, it's a whole nother thing that we're dealing with because it's not just what we had prior to everything that was there but like now there's a lot of new things that are that are they're not just that are present not because they're new it's just because now they've been exposed now this whole covid this whole thing this whole thing that this whole world has been in you know during that period of time and like what we're kind of still going through right now and everything is just brought so much more to light and so much more has been lost so that's kind of like where I see it I see like you know what I see like new dawn for us to be able to look forward and look to like what are we gonna do what what do we do now you know what do we get from what was passed down to us from everybody that's done research everybody that's established from all the greats right when we talk about all the good 
amazing people that wrote down all these psychology, all these things and everything, we get that and when we take it and how do we apply it now to the life we live in now, to this 21st century, to this post, you know, and all this craziness and everything. Like, what do we do now? I mean, the only constant is change. <laughs> you know, that, that's the only thing that's constant in this life is, is change. So, you know, the fact that we're, we're the new wave of, of psychologists, hopefully in the, in the near future. And, you know, we, we want to be there and we want to form these communities, like you said. And yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, I know there was something else you wanted to touch on as well. Do you, can you remind me about what that was? There was something else. My God, it's awesome. We've talked about so much already. I know. I already lost, lost the track. <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, what? honestly, on my part, I, that's all pretty much kind of like a recall, just kind of like what we're, uh, we talked about kind of like the, the club at CBU, the counseling club we're working right now to establish at CBU. And then kind of like beyond that, uh, after this, after we're done with school, kind of like in, in the outside in the real world, uh, we're talking about kind of um, establishing and opening up uh, an association, you know, for people uh, to, to go from here, from school, here's your community. And then afterwards, here you go. Here's your community. Welcome. Welcome to the real world. And now we're here together in that. So kind of that's a little bit of what we were talking about. And I don't know, it's about, it's about all I remember, everything else we've talked about. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah, you definitely. got something else to throw there. I mean, I'm hanging out, you know, I'm having a good time. That's awesome, um, right? Yeah, I definitely just, I think encouraging, you know, students from various programs and various schools to reach out and, and form communities. Like, don't be afraid to make friends with people, you know, because we, you might hear it in your classes from your instructors, but it's really true that we need to make these connections now and form mm -hmm. these communities now while we're in school, because these are our colleagues that we're going to rely on, you know, when we're practicing, these are the people that you're going to call up and be like, Hey, you know, I got this client. I, I need to refer to you. Like, can you take them sort of thing? And it's really hard to, I think function, especially in practice as a therapist, if you don't have people you can rely on as colleagues yeah. Um, and that's a big part of this field is being an, an, an academic and being, um, you know, a colleague in this specific profession. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, as far as CBU goes, I think which I'm just going to plug CBU for a Go second. There, there are schools, so why not? Um, you know, CBU is a, is a Baptist, it's a Baptist university. It is a Christian college. Um, I am not a Christian and you do not have to be a Christian to go there. But I think it's really important that people don't feel limited just because of their their cultural expectations or they don't feel limited because of their, you know, their upbringing or things like that. Um, don't be afraid to branch out. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I was really nervous when I first came to CBU because I didn't think I was going to be well received. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm, I'm military. I'm queer. You know, I had a really, like I said, <laughs> unusual like undergrad experience, you know, and mm -hmm. And then once I got to CBU, it was like, I could finally breathe. Mm -hmm. Like I could relax. And like, I realized, wow, like people actually see other people here. They don't just see, yeah, you know, the labels or they don't see like the GPA or they don't see like, you know, what you've done. It's like, they just see you as a person. And I think that's the most important quality that we can all develop as trainees in therapy and as therapists mm -hmm. is um, we need to just be able to look and see the person and not see their symptoms, not see their disorders, not see their mistakes like we need to just meet them as a person you know person yeah. to person human being to human being 
Um, and I'm really, really grateful that we all get to do this and have this opportunity for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just <clears throat> as a person, and that's such a beautiful way kind of like to leave with that thought of like thinking about like, yes, CBU for us and our experience in this university, that's something that's very well um, in, uh, passed along. And it's in it, you could see it everywhere. You could feel it everywhere, you know, like um, through the campus. And especially once you start getting into like the master's program and the higher, you know, the doctoral, it's like the, the, the groups just become more, the professors, the staff, everybody just becomes a lot more supportive and you can feel the love, you can feel the understanding. And, and amongst us as like students and cohort, you know, um, we care for one another and we love to see others succeed. We love to see others do well, you know, and, and that's kind of where I see like part of this community thing is just about all just pushing each other and it's moving this together, helping each other out, celebrating our accomplishments, celebrating the good things that we have. And in reality, even in our bad times, because that's life. Life gives you bad, life gives you lemons, right? right? You, you get bad times, everything, to be there for one another during these times as well. So man, uh, it's been an amazing, amazing uh, podcast episode. Thank you so much, uh, Brett, for this opportunity to kind of get to know you more, get to hear your story, get to put out the the good stuff that you have, you know, for us right now that are going to listen to this in the, that are in the program. And for those undergrad, the, the psychology students that are thinking about, you know, transferring over here, you know, this is definitely what we're aiming for. We're trying to give them um, substance, trying to give them information for them to know and to be prepared. Hey, this is, this is what happens over here. <laughs> this is what goes on. So thank you so much, Brett. Really yeah, appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. And thank you so much again for, for having me. And uh, it's really great that you're doing this and um you know uh, i look forward to hopefully like meeting new people in in the program and freshmen who want to come in and you know have a good time um and yeah i look forward to you know the rest of our cohort and all of us being successful in our future endeavors that's awesome and thank you for for teaming up and and uh, joining the team and pushing all of this because you know all this is for everybody so yeah. thank you so much for for joining the team and let, let's get to work yeah Hope absolutely you. Let's do it. Let's create it for, for everybody else. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, to everybody listening, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to sit, relax. And you know what? Let's talk. Thank you so much. You have a great one. I'll see you soon. Goodbye.